0: Welcome to the Trademark Church Podcast. We're so excited for you to hear our message today. Another thing we would love is for you to join us in person, whether that's live, online, or if you're local to DFW, come visit our location in Fort Worth, Texas. For service times, location, and everything you need to know, visit trademark.church. We hope today's message encourages you and helps you live a more fulfilling life in Jesus. All right. Uh, there's a word from God in the book of John, chapter number eight. So if you would turn turning your Bibles to John chapter number eight, there is a word from God there, and uh I'm excited to share it with you. Um As you turn there, I'm going to give you a little bit of a disclaimer, all right? Here it is. Uh, You've had a great series with instructors that have come through, and I'm a big football fan. So Landon has called as the head coach and audible for this this month, right? And so y'all are used to having him teach and things, so as the head coach, he gets to call the plays. Well, each person that's been coming are like position coaches, and they've been getting you ready for what it is that God's going to do in your life. And so they've been instructing you and teaching you, it's like having a defensive backs coaching. He's showing you how to backpedal, having the offensive line coach showing you how to come off the line, having the running backs coach teach you how to grip the ball. Every now and again, I watch the game, and before the game has started, there's this guy at the tunnel, he's got on the same outfit that the other coaches have, but we don't know what his title is, we don't know what his position is, we don't know what he teaches, but he's at the front of the tunnel, and everybody's getting ready to come out of the tunnel, and the players are getting ready to go on the field, and he's the guy in the front saying, we got this, we got this, that's what I'm going to do today, okay? I'm getting ready to get you excited about what God has for you next, and I want you to get motivated to receive all of it, amen? All right, here we go, I'm just giving you a disclaimer, because when I get hyped, y'all be like, oh man, he really does have a lot of energy. Here it is. John chapter number eight, beginning at verse 31. Here's what it says. To the Jews who have believed him, him being Jesus, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? Jesus replied, verily, i be very truly, I say to you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free in I'm going to read that last verse again. So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. If you're taking notes, I'm going to give you a title to this message that you can write down. Uh, It is Go Get Your Freedom. Go Get Your Freedom. Uh, I got a few fancy friends who every now and again, I receive a gift from my fancy friends. Now, I know I got my regular friends, and my regular friends are the people who give me gifts that I can understand and I can use right away because my regular friends do things like, hey, man, here's an Amazon gift card, brother. Go get whatever you want. And, and I use my my, my my regular gifts from my regular friends. I get excited. I use those. I got other friends who know what I like. They know I like shoes, or they know I like watches, or they know I like certain things and, or restaurants or different places, and they give me gift cards to those places and i know what i can do with that i know what i can do with the item that they've given me but then i got a few fancy friends a few fancy friends who they order something that they've been exposed to that they feel i can benefit from and they pay for it they ship it it gets to me i open the package i'm grateful that they sent it to me but i have no clue what it is I have no clue what this thing is that I'm looking at. I have no clue how it's supposed to function. I have no clue how it's supposed to work. It is there. I'm grateful. I'm appreciative. I look back. I call them. I tell them, thank you so much for the gift. Oh my God, this is amazing. Not knowing what it is, not knowing how to use it. I understand that they've placed something in my possession that they believe I can benefit from, but I, being stubborn, maybe being arrogant, maybe being embarrassed that I have this lack of exposure, I have it and i look at it maybe even assuming i can do something with it i take it and once i can't figure it out in appreciation and gratitude i say thank you and i put it on the shelf I put it on the shelf, and I leave it there, not knowing what to do with it next. And when people ask me about it, I say, oh, this is the great gift that so-and-so gave me. And they went through great lengths, and they paid for it, and they shipped it to me, and they sent it to me for my anniversary or my birthday or Christmas or Easter or Labor Day or whatever time they gave me a gift. Nobody gives gifts on Labor Day. That was weird. (laughs) But, but, But I have this gift, and it's on the shelf. I'll tell other people about it, even though I don't know how to use it. I'll continue to look at it and be proud of it even though I don't know how to use it I thank the person who gave it to me even though I don't know how to use it but it's sitting on the shelf when it could be doing so much more Today, I want to talk to you about freedom. And when I talk to Christians about freedom, here's the thing that I understand, that there is a gift that we've been given that has been paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ in addition to your salvation that will allow you to enter into eternity and live with God harmoniously and peacefully for eternity. You have also been given this gift called freedom. And many of us know that we have this gift called freedom. We can articulate that we have freedom. We can say that we have freedom freedom, do we really understand what this freedom is? And because we really don't understand what this freedom is, here's what we do. We thank God for our freedom. We tell other people we have freedom. We even tell them that they should go and get this freedom, how they could get it, who gives it, who sends it, that it is paid for, but we are living with our freedom on the shelf. Unaware of its full potential. Unaware of how it could actually change and transform our lives for the better. We are living beneath our full potential and living beneath how God wants us to live because we don't understand our freedom many Christians are living like this. And in this particular text, Jesus begins to explain that we have freedom in him. But if you go back and you look at John chapter eight, the context of the scripture that we just read, here's what I need you to understand. This scripture was written and there's a theme that is running all the way up to this point of freedom. And it even goes beyond. There is a theme of disputes that are happening with Jesus. Disputes, disputes over, over the law and Jesus' authority to forgive sin. There's a woman who's brought to him, who's caught in adultery and Jesus does not do what they think he should do. He writes in the sand, shows her grace, sends her on to sin no more. There's a dispute over how it is that he should punish sin. And Jesus says, I punish sin on my own body. She's not going to take the penalty for her sin. I release her by grace, which is good news for somebody who's in here today, who is thinking to yourself, listen, I've done too much. I've been too many places that God does not approve. It's going to come down on me. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're waiting for God to punish you. And this woman proves that God is not looking to punish you. He's looking to release you. Freedom. The dispute over how he forgives sin, the next dispute is actually over his own testimony of himself. In Jewish culture, there was this thing where you couldn't bear your own witness. You had to have witnesses outside of yourself. Matter of fact, this is where we get scriptures that we misuse and apply where two or three uh, witnesses are there. that The thing is established. And here's what they're saying is, Jesus, you're bearing witness to yourself. He says, I don't need human witness. I got the father as my witness. He says, I've got the Father as my witness, and I am who I say I am. Then there's this dispute over, over who he actually is, and he begins to describe who he is, he, this dispute over who he is, and this dispute over, over who they are. And here's what he says. He says, listen, one day I'm going to be elevated, and I'm going to be lifted up, and you're going to see that all the judgment and all the things that I've talked about, you're going to see that I am the Father. I will testify, rather, to what the Father has sent me to do. He says, you're going to see it one day. And he says, at all these disputes, out of all of these arguments, people started to think and they started to say, you know what, this dude's a little off. He's a little crazy. He says some things that are a little weird, but... Every time we dispute him, he has an answer that wows us. Every time we dispute him, there is something that he says that settles in us and makes us think uh, uh, different and fresh and new than what we knew before. And here's what I'm trying to tell you about this level of disputes that keep coming. Jesus is disputed. They're arguing over his identity. They're arguing over his authority. They're arguing over this, uh, of of who he is and what he's going to do. And every time they dispute him, he comes out right because Jesus is who he says he is. And when you have people. People who are disputing who jesus is he always comes out as the one who is what he says he is and i don't know who needs to hear that today but if you're discouraged Jesus is the one who mends broken hearts he is who he says he is i don't know who needs to hear this today but Jesus is who he says he is you have lost your way he says i am the way the truth and the life that no one comes to the father except through me and he is who he says says he is. I don't know who's in this room today who needs Jesus but he says I am the good shepherd. He is a protector and a provider and he says I am who I say I am. Whatever dispute that the enemy is telling you about Jesus I'm here to remind you he is who he says he is and the greatest one is he says I am the resurrection and the life. Though one die yet will they live again. He is who he says he is, and if I could stop right here at the beginning of this message and share with you, you can place your faith in Jesus, because he is who he says he is, and in our text today, he is the one who offers freedom. He is the one who offers freedom. And so the text says in John 31, the Jews start to believe in him. And so Jesus is in a position where these people are starting to believe. They've been disputing him. They've been questioning him. They've, he's given them uh, sufficient answers. And now they're questioning who, I mean, now they're believing in him. And Jesus says, listen, if you're going to believe in me, I got to take you on this journey to show you what you can have. And it's freedom. He says, let's let's move from who I am to what you can have because of what you believe about who I am. He says, you can have freedom. Now, Before I show you what Jesus is doing with this freedom, I need to define freedom. Because if I don't define it, you'll put it back on the shelf and not fully understand what it is. Or you'll make your own definition of freedom and therefore live with an imitation and not the real thing. Here it is, the definition of freedom that I've come up with, that I've lived, as I've seen in Scripture of what freedom looks like every time it's described. Freedom is, write this down, living completely and fully as God created you to be. You got to hang on every word here. It is living completely and fully as God created you to be completely, which means I need to be everything that God has called me to be. I can't live some of the Christian life and disregard others of it and call myself free. I can't say that I'm participating in this walk of obedience with God, but certain things, you know, that's just my vice. And I hold on to that and claim to be free. I need to live completely and fully, that means I'm not, I'm not just doing it out of obligation. Freedom is I begin to live the life that God has called me to live in the fullness of it. I begin to enjoy being who God called me to be. I love being who God called me to be. As a matter of fact, my desire is to become more of who God has created me to be, to be completely and fully what God created me to be. Not, not what I've decided about myself. Not what the culture says I can tell myself I am, but what God has created me to be, which means there is a moment in time where freedom is all about surrender, that my freedom is not about autonomy. My freedom is not about me doing what it is that feels good to me or what I want to do. Freedom is more about purpose than it is pleasure or privilege. Ooh, I'm going to say that again. Some of y'all needed that. Freedom is more about purpose than it is pleasure or privilege. There are so many of us who are looking for freedom in our privileges. What can I do? What is my right? The reality is real freedom sometimes lays down its rights. Sometimes real freedom says to God, you are the one that has every right to tell me what's right. God, I like that. I'm going to say that again. Real freedom is when I tell God, you have the right to tell me what's right, which means you can tell yourself what you think is right, but God has the right to tell you it's wrong and for you to do what he says is right. I said that fast, but I think you got it. Here's the reality, that freedom is more about purpose. It's more about you living out what God has called you to be what does that mean? This does not mean your career choice, your vocational choice, your place of where you want to live. God created me to live on an island somewhere. No, that's not what I'm talking about. Because in an age of convenience, what we begin to do is place on God what we have in our hearts, which is deceitful. We begin to say, no, God wants me to have this, that, and the other. And I'm not doubting that God wants you to have a certain kind of life, but first and foremost, primarily and, uh, and, and preeminently, God has called you to live to give him glory. Before anything else, if there is a bigger house in your future without the glory of God, it's a lie from the pit of hell. If there is a promotion on the horizon without the glory of God, it is a temptation and a distraction from the enemy. The Lord told me to come by here and tell Trademark today that your primary purpose is to give God glory. And in giving God glory, this is where you live out in maximum freedom. Maximum freedom is a theme throughout all of scripture. When God places man in the garden, he places him in the garden and gives him maximum freedom, minimum restriction and dire consequences for violating the minimum restriction. You then are created for freedom. We always choose bondage. God gives Adam maximum freedom. You can eat from any tree. You are free to eat from any tree. Just not that one. Maximum freedom, minimum restriction. If you eat from that tree, you surely die. Dire consequences for violating the maximum, or minimum restriction. We are given freedom. Choose this day. I place before you life and death. Choose life. They chose death. Joshua says, Choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Emirates in whose land you will dwell. But as for me and my house, will serve the Lord. There's a placement of freedom before us throughout all of scripture, but we keep choosing bondage because we've got a gift in front of us that we don't fully understand. That doing things your way actually puts you in bondage. And oftentimes you are in bondage to your own self. Your own pleasures, your own thoughts, your own limitations, your own finite nature, your own inability to get right and do right. And God says, I want to take that burden off of you. I want to give you this freedom to live completely and fully as I've created you to be. And it happens in Christ by the power of the Spirit of God. So, so, so here we have this text where Jesus is getting ready to lay out this thing called freedom. Now that we have a definition, I need to give you a couple of principles about freedom that are going to help you because if you don't know what freedom is, you're going to live with an imitation. I shared this with the first, uh, the first service, so I got to share with y'all. Uh, I, I, I know what it's like to settle for an imitation. Uh, back, back when I was a, a youth pastor, I was a youth pastor, uh, just like Pastor Landon, I, Now, I wasn't as good as him, but I was, I was a youth pastor, and when I was a youth pastor, I I found my first shoe plug. Now, y'all don't know what a shoe plug is. That's why you're, you're sitting there. A shoe plug is a connection outside of the retail stores where I can get shoes that are no longer sold in the store. When, when, when you go to the store, you connect, you give them your money, they give, you the, they give you your shoes. You walk out with a pair of shoes. You got your Foot Locker bag. You walk through the mall. You feel great. But af- after a while, the exclusive shoes, the, the Jordans that are, are, are released but then are on limited release, they're no longer there. And the shoe plug knows how to get them. The shoe plug, plug connection. I'm just making some, connecting some dots for y'all. Here it is. The plug connects you with the shoes that you can't get in the store. So I found my first shoe plug. This plug was a bad socket though. I I got electrocuted by this plug. (laughs) Uh, I, I gave him my money. He brings me the Jordans that he said he wanted to bring me. And I didn't know. I wasn't, I wasn't all into the shoes like that. I wasn't a true shoe head. And so I put on these shoes, and I'm teaching youth now. I show up to Bible study with my new Jordans on, thinking I'm stunting. And a kid comes up to me and says, man, what are you wearing? I said, man, I got these from the plug. He said, man, he, he robbed you. He said, those aren't real. Watch this, that I had settled for an imitation because I didn't have a full understanding of what was real. And for many of us, this is how we're living our lives. We have settled for an imitation of freedom because we don't have a full definition of what's real. And there are some of you who are making a definition of freedom that is an imitation. And the angels in heaven are looking at you saying, what are those? What are you wearing? What are you doing? Because they understand what's been paid for. They understand what God has manufactured. They understand what God has tailor-made for your life. And you are living beneath that potential. And in this text, the Bible says that these Jews who believed in him are getting ready to get an understanding of freedom. So the first thing that we see about this freedom as it relates to this text and what Jesus teaches them is that freedom is uh, available. Freedom is available. If you don't take anything else away from this point, I need you to understand that there is hope. Because the problem is the enemy would have us to believe that we've got to make up our own freedom because God doesn't want to give it. When, when I told you God places that man in the garden, he gives him freedom. Adam forgets very quickly when the enemy comes and says, did God say that you can't eat from any tree of the garden? The enemy wants you to believe that there is no freedom available. These Jews who Jesus is talking to, they've been living according to the law. They've been living according to the law, and the law seems to be restriction. The law seems to be a a, a uh, tight-knit area over them that they can't do what they want to do. I hear people talk about this all the time. I don't like religion because of the rules. I don't want to be involved in church because I don't want somebody to just control my life. What if the rules were the thing that helped you play the game better? I love Reggie Bush. Reggie Bush, one of my favorite college football players of all time. Uh, and Reggie Bush, Reggie Bush, uh, uh, would play football in such a way that inside the lines, nobody could catch him. I remember one play, Reggie is running and he, he gets all the way to the sideline and the defender thinks he's gonna run Reggie out of bounds because when you get out of bounds, the play stops. Y'all miss what I said. That when you get out of bounds, that's when the play stops. You can't make progress anymore after you step out of bounds. So the defender thinks he's running Reggie out of bounds. Reggie goes all the way to the sideline, steps his toe to the edge right before he gets there, turns and reverses field, goes and scores a touchdown because Reggie Bush had learned how to have freedom within the sidelines. That there is only real freedom within the boundaries of the rules of the game. And the reason why many of us are losing is because we don't know that freedom is available within the parameters that God has providing and this is a group of people the Jews who were listening to Jesus who had thought their, the, the rules were restrictions and they didn't understand that it was release and so Jesus says he says I'm teaching you something about me and these Jews start to believe and here's what he says he says yeah, uh, if you hold to my teaching you're really my disciples then you will know the truth notice he didn't say you would know the law. Jesus used the word law oftentimes in the scripture. He doesn't use the word law here. He used the word truth. You know why? Because the law and the regulations was not what they needed to know. These people knew the law. They didn't know the truth. Because underneath every rule, there is a truth from the heart and motivation of God that is there to release you. But underneath every rule is the motivation of God to protect you. Underneath every instruction that God is giving you is something that God knows better than you know. And he's saying, I am protecting a hope and a future for you. What it is that I desire for you. And here's what Jesus says. I need you to know the truth, not just the law. He says, and you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. He says freedom is available. And these people are listening because they have been waiting for this type of freedom. And he says, says, listen, what you've been settling for is not what it is that I want you to have. I don't want you to just have an obligation to me. I don't want you to just have a set of rules and standards. I want you to have a relationship. He says, and that's complete freedom. You'll still live in those boundaries and parameters, but you do it out of joy and not obligation. He says, I want you to have freedom. Freedom is available. The problem is we've learned how to settle. Just like these Jews who had learned how to live in religion, we've learned to live in a scarcity mentality when it comes to God. God only gives so much, and then I've got to forge my way and create my own pleasure, because God doesn't care about your pleasure, right? No, that's wrong. God wants you to have pleasure. He wants you to have it in the way that he's created you to have it. here's the thing so we go out and we forge our own way we start to create our own pleasure we start to create our own path we start to create our own vision and here's what happens we start to settle because we think there's a shortage we start to settle because we think there's not enough, that God is not a provider of these things, but God has paid for your freedom, and he wants you to see everything that he has for you. You just got to follow him. Uh, in January, my brother and I went to AT&T Stadium to watch Alabama play Cincinnati in a college playoff game. And when we get to the stadium, we walk in, and we're walking through, and I'm following my brother around, but then I stopped at one of the concessions. And I said, bro, let's get something to eat. It's my youngest brother. He's my youngest brother. I got to give that context. And so I, I, I pull up to the to um, to the to the con- concession. concession stand said let's get something to eat man i'm hungry he said no man we're not gonna eat here and i was like all right because uh i failed to tell you he paid for the tickets he paid for everything that we're doing and so i just said you know what he paid i'm gonna go ahead and listen let's roll let's go and so i start walking and uh i go to the next stop uh concession stand and i say look man i'm hungry man we still got a little ways the game's not starting yet we need to get in these lines more people are coming in it's gonna get long he's like no man we're not gonna eat here i'm saying all right man you got another time to start talking to me like you the big brother and it's gonna be a problem right then he goes to this next level. I didn't even know where we were sitting. He has the tickets digitally. He shows the lady. She says, you need uh, access. Let me see your tickets. He shows her the tickets. We go down uh, to another level. This level is a little nicer than the other levels that we've been on. Still a concession stand there. And I say, bro, let's get something to eat. We're on our level now. We're getting ready to go to our seats. He says, hey, man, let's just go sit down. We'll eat later. He's not being rude about it, but I'm feeling some kind of way because I'm the older brother and you telling me what to do. I sit down in the seat and there's a little card there. He says, grab the card. We get the cards. I grab my phone. There's a QR code on there. I snap the QR code. We're sitting in the club level section where I can order my food from my seat because of the tickets that he paid for. He paid for tickets that gave me access to something greater than what I was ready to settle for. That I was getting ready to get nachos on one level but there were burgers, fries, burritos, everything else on another level. He had paid for me to have access but because of my mentality I was trying to stay on a level that gave me limitation and not full freedom. And for many of us, here's the problem we have, Jesus has paid for you to have access to freedom that you have never seen before nor have you been exposed to before but if you don't follow him, you'll stop short of what it is that he has for you and you'll live in a place where you're settling beneath what God has for you. I need you to begin to follow him, and this is what Jesus says, he says, if you hold to my teachings, some of us are getting impatient on the level that we're on, and we're saying, God, I can take hold of this relationship, and he says, no, I don't want you to be unequally yoked, hold to my teaching, we're getting impatient on our level, and we're saying, God, if I just manipulate this one expense report, I can get ahead, and they can see my progress, God says, no, if you be ethical, and and have integrity, and hold to my teaching, you're saying, God, I don't know if I want to stay with her or stay with him in this marriage. I mean, let's just give up. And God says, no, if you will work it out in this marriage, if you hold to my teaching, the problem with many of us is we're not holding to the teaching. We've got information in our head, but no application with our hands. He gives us a a visual of application with our hands. Hold to the teaching. I got to move and give you guys uh, the rest of this. Here it is. Jesus gives us a, a formula for freedom right here in the text. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus gives us a formula for freedom. Watch what the formula for freedom is. He said there's a prerequisite to freedom, and it's belief. That many of us want to get to the place where we're, 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 we're uh, saying that we want freedom, but we don't believe what God says. And there are many of us who are walking out of church every single Sunday, not with an information problem, but with a belief problem. That we don't believe we can have what we've been preached to. We don't believe that we can have what the Word of God says. The prerequisite is belief. If you're going to live in freedom, you've got to believe in Him. Second thing is there's a process. He says, if you hold to my teaching, you gotta hold on to the word of God. Stop listening to what the culture is saying over what it is that God is saying. Stop listening to your convenience or your comfort over what it is that God is saying. There's the prerequisite, there's the process, hold on to the word. Then there's a pattern. He says, you'll be my disciples. A disciple was somebody who followed faithfully someone else until they started to look like them. The disciples would look like Jesus. This is why they were called Christians because they were called little Christ. People who looked so much like Jesus, they couldn't them another title, but Christians. He says, if you, if you hold to my teachings, you will be my disciples. Then he says, here's the product freedom. He says, he gives you, he gives you the formula prerequisite plus process plus pattern equals product. You get belief plus the word plus being a disciple, which equals freedom. For many of us, what we need to do is we need to hit that reset button, click on all of these things, add them together and receive what God has. Freedom is available. The next thing is freedom is automatic. If the first point is for me to give you hope, this point is for me to give you some drive. Because one of the most difficult things that happens in life is for a leader to try to take people to a place that they really don't want to go. And Jesus tells these people, he says, hey, I, I, I can give you freedom if you hold on to my words and know the truth because the truth will set you free. They say to him, verse 33, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves to anyone. How can you say that we shall be set free? The, the response to that should have been, glory, hallelujah, Jesus, I've been waiting on this freedom. Thank you, Messiah. Hey, this is great. They should have had church, went home, took up an offering, did the thing. And here's what happens. They say, okay, guy, uh, I was with you on the whole, we're going to have victory and you're the Messiah and all this stuff. I was with you on that. But now you're trying to insult me and say that I can have freedom. I'm a child of Abraham and their pride kicks in. I, I, I have never been in bondage to anyone. We got a problem. Because these people are now lying to themselves and to God. The second book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus. Exodus means to leave out of. They are leaving slavery. The second book. You can't even get out of the second book of the Bible and these people are already in bondage and they're saying, we have never been in bondage. Okay, they didn't read the book. Okay, uh, maybe they didn't read the second book. Maybe that book was ripped out of their Bible. But but, but then we get to the place where, where you got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then you got Joshua. Joshua leads them into the promised land. He says, hey, y'all gotta, y'all gotta do... The right thing when you get into the promised land, the next book is the book of Judges where they do evil in the sight of the Lord and they're in bondage over and over and over again. Okay, maybe they didn't get that point. Maybe they just remember the good old days, right? David is king and Saul was king, but then David became a great king. But then you got first and second kings, first and second chronicles, first and second Samuel that that gives us the understanding of the kings. Most of them were wicked. So God says, I'm gonna give you over into bondage because you don't obey They, all they knew was bondage. And they're saying, we've never been in bondage because sometimes you get so used to bondage, you think it's freedom. Sometimes you get so used to being in captivity that you think it's freedom. As a matter of fact, there are some things that you do that God has told you not to do. There are some habits that you have that God wants you to break. There are some some mindsets that you have that God wants you out of, but you think that thought is freedom. You think that act is freedom. You think that speech is freedom. You think what you're saying or doing or acting like or thinking like is freedom when it's really bondage. Because you've been in it so long with Pharaoh, you can't trust the father. Freedom, watch this, is available, but it isn't automatic. You can reject freedom. The fact that God makes it available means that God, God can give it to you and God wants you to have it, but we've got to accept and receive this freedom. I, I love popcorn. Popcorn is one of my favorite snacks. Uh, as a matter of fact, I can eat popcorn as a meal. And when I go uh, home, I got this great fancy popcorn machine. And that popcorn machine pops my popcorn and, and it's, it's the movie type popcorn machine and it flows out. But I'm not just bougie and like nice popcorn. I'm lazy and I don't like to clean that machine. So what I do oftentimes is I take the popcorn in the pan- Package. Throw it in the microwave. How many of y'all do that? We do it right. Just throw it in the microwave. I hit the popcorn button because we got a great microwave. I hit the popcorn button and it has a sensor. The popcorn is popping and it's popping and it's popping. And when it's done, if it, the microwave beeps, beep, beep, beep. My, my microwave speaks in tongues and I know how to interpret tongues. And it says to me, Mr. White, your popcorn is ready. And I walk over because I respond when I hear a word. And I hear, I hear the word. It says, "Mr. White, your popcorn's ready." I respond to the word. I go over. I get the popcorn out. I shake the bag a little bit. I open it. It's perfectly popped. Oh man, I'm eating my popcorn. I'm enjoying it. I even sprinkle a little seasoning on it. I put some thyme and truffle oil on it. Make a little gourmet popcorn. It's it's amazing. Our 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 popcorn sensor. But 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 at work, they don't love me as much as. We love ourselves at home. Uh, we got a bootleg microwave at, at work. At, at the church, I got this bootleg microwave. And one day, I, I went to get me some popcorn. I put the popcorn in the microwave. I pushed the popcorn button. And the same way I do at home, I walked away. And I waited for that woman to get my word. Beep, beep, beep. And just like my popcorn maker at home, it speaks in tongues. I understand tongues. I said, Mr. White, your popcorn, make, your popcorn is ready. I go to that, that door. I open the door, and a stench comes out of the door. I look at my popcorn, the popcorn on the top, all black. I'm thinking to myself, I did everything the same way. Why is it not working? I forgot that you don't just pop popcorn. When you got this, this ready-made popcorn maker that I have upstairs, and you got this sensitive popcorn uh, microwave, this popcorn maker, I had to go and look at the instructions. And the instructions say, you listen for your popcorn. You pop... Pop, 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 Y'all don't know nothing about that. Pop, 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 pop. And when it gets to the end, pop, Pop-pop-pop. pop, pop, pop. And, and the instructions say, you wait to listen. And when it gets to about two to three seconds between pops, you stop it so it doesn't burn. I had gotten so used to being on autopilot that I had forgot how to listen and follow instructions. And when I forgot how to listen and follow instructions, what happened is I ruined the gift that I had in the microwave. And the problem with many of us is we're like these Jews who are in here. They forgot to listen to the voice of God. They, they thought that their freedom was going to be automatic and on autopilot, and they didn't realize God had something for them to do. They stopped listening for the voice of God. They had stopped listening for the heart of God. They had stopped listening to God. And there's a... St- that went out throughout the earth do you know why the world is looking at the church in such a way that they're looking at us because we forgot to listen to god that we're not living in the freedom that god has called us to but the aroma that's coming out of the church go read corinthians he says we are supposed to be through the world the aroma of life but we become the odor of death And what the world is smelling is burnt popcorn from us. And if I had exposed my kids to burnt popcorn and not the popcorn they got, they would never want to eat what it is that I was offering them. The reason why the world doesn't want what we want, what we have rather, is because we've stopped listening to God and we're trying to serve them burnt gospel. We're trying to serve them judgment. We're trying to serve them legalism. We're trying to serve them feel-good self-care that doesn't really work unless they're transformed by the gospel. We're trying to serve them something that does not work. Freedom is available, but it's not automatic. Listen, you've got to trust God. You've got to believe what He said. Don't you dare tell the word a word for Him. He said, We're Abraham's descendants. We've never been a slave to anyone. Jesus comes back and he replies, He said, Very truly, I say to everyone, I say to you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. Before I deal with that, let me give you another point. Freedom is available. Freedom isn't automatic, but freedom is attacked. In our country, one of the things that we love and respect, we respect our troops. We respect our veterans because they are the people who are willing to go into the front lines to fight for the freedom that's under attack. they're the ones that say, we don't care about our own safety. We want to protect the people who, who are going to be, who are going to be attacked and we're going to protect our freedoms. And here's what I need you to understand that the enemy knows that your freedom is available. And when you start to take strides to go and get your freedom, don't you dare think he's just going to let you have it. He's going to attack you your freedom is going to be under attack. And here's how the enemy attacks. There are three enemies of your freedom. One is ignorance. Ignorance, just, just not knowing what it is that God says. In that garden, when Satan came, he looks at Eve and he says, did God really say? And whatever Eve did not fully know, the enemy used against her as a lie. He used, he used her ignorance against her to place her in bondage. And there are many of us who are in bondage simply because we don't know. And this is why it's important for you to not just show up, but for you to grow up in church. This is why it's important for you to read your word and take what it is that your pastor is teaching you and do like the Bereans and study it for yourself so that it's not just an inspirational word on Sunday. It's an instructional word for your life on Monday. That you cannot go around with ignorance and expect to be free. The second thing, though, that's hurting us is our immorality. Yep, I said it. Sin. Sin. S-I-N. Sin is keeping us in bondage. Our desire to fulfill the lust of the flesh, our desire to do what it is that we want to do, separate and apart from what it is that God has called us to do. Our desire to be our own God. Immorality is keeping us in bondage. Why? Because you build appetites. And when you build an appetite, you become a slave to that thing. Jesus says, whoever sins is a slave to sin. You ever notice there are some things that you do that you're saying to yourself, why do I keep doing this? Because you enjoy it. I'm talking about your habitual, enjoyable sin. I'm not talking about that thing that you need deliverance from in grace, but we stay in bondage from our habitual, enjoyable sins. We need to release that and let it go. The last enemy or the third enemy of our of our uh, freedom is independence. That many of us want to live our lives independent of God. And I've already labored on that point that that's what Adam and Eve did in that garden. They chose independence from God. We want to get it without God. We want to get the relationship without God, get the job without God, get our pleasure without God. We need to not be independent. Freedom is available, but freedom isn't automatic. Freedom is attacked, but here's some good news for you. Your freedom has been announced. Your freedom has been announced. There's been a declaration, a proclamation of your freedom. When my kids come home with their friends, I don't treat them like strangers. I don't treat them like foreigners. I don't treat them like servants. I treat them like I treat my kids. Because if my kids love them, then I'm going to love them. Only thing I ever ask from them is that they respect my children. Jesus breaks something down in this particular scripture I don't have time to go through all of it but he says if the son sets you free you'll be free indeed that comes right after he talks about a slave not having a permanent place in the house but a son having a place forever basically what he's saying is hey my dad is going to respect the authority that I have in this house and as a slave to sin or a slave to anything else if you want freedom you need to come to the son I've got a word that can set you free he says I'm the one that can set you free Maybe we don't fully understand the slave culture that was there. And trust me, it was different than the culture that was set up in America. These people sold themselves into slavery for provision and for a way ahead. And, and, and oftentimes they will be released after a certain amount of time. So when Jesus says that a slave doesn't have a permanent place in the house, he's not saying that the slave is discarded. He's saying the slave is eventually set free. But he says, if there was a debt that needed to be paid and the slave has not fully paid that debt, if there was anybody who could set them free ahead of their debt being paid, it's the son. I need you to understand something. You have a debt that you cannot pay. And if there's anybody that can set you free, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ, the son, because whom the son sets free is free indeed. Jesus says, I made an announcement of your freedom. Maybe you all don't understand that, that slave language, but we do understand this in July 4th, 1776 the leaders of our nation made a declaration of independence. They announced that they would be free from the oppression and tyranny of a nation that was taking advantage of them. And they said, we're we're no longer going to put up with it. They made an announcement of freedom. Now the authorities made the announcement and the people obeyed and followed and got freedom because of what the authorities made the announcement for. And so the whole country goes then to war because freedom is attacked. They go to war and there's a fighting that happens, but they win the victory and freedom was not just announced, it was achieved. It was achieved for a portion of the country. And we do understand that freedom is not freedom until everyone gets freedom. And so on January 1st, 1863... The Emancipation Proclamation went into order. And the Emancipation Proclamation, Declaration Proclamation, notice these are announcements of freedom. That the Declaration of Independence is an announcement of freedom. That the Emancipation Proclamation is an announcement of freedom. That they announced that all slaves would now be free. Why? Because when you get your freedom, you can't fully enjoy it until other people get theirs. And so on January 1st, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation declares that slaves are free. And then there was a war that's fought. Well, the war led up to the Emancipation Proclamation. Y'all can know my history. And so the war is fought. And the Emancipation Proclamation is signed. And freedom happens after attack. The announcement, there's an authority that gives freedom to the people who follow the announcement. But because everybody didn't hear that announcement... This announcement was made, but there were people who were still living as though they were still in bondage. While there was still freedom out there, there had to be a general order number three. And on June 19th, 1865, what we know in Fort Worth, Texas to be Juneteenth, there were people who were living in bondage, even though there was a declaration of freedom pronounced over their lives. What I love about this church is long before Opal Lee became a national treasure, she sat on this stage and proclaimed the importance of Juneteenth. If you were here, you understand that this church has celebrated this because what does it mean? It is a picture of the gospel, that there are people who are still living in slavery who have freedom that they know nothing about. And what we are called to do is not only to receive the announcement of freedom that Jesus has made for us, but to announce this freedom to those who don't know it yet, like those people in Galveston who received General Order Number three, they are free and don't know it. There are people in your neighborhood who need this announcement. There are people in your family who need this announcement. There are people on your job who need this announcement. This freedom that we have is not to be put up on a shelf just to be talked about and admired because of the gift that we have received. It is to be applied everywhere that we go. Announced to people who need to hear that Jesus still saves, that this freedom is available, that God has set you free, and you don't have to live in this bondage anymore you don't have to live in this depression you don't have to live without any hope you don't have to live in the place that you've been living in freedom has been announced in Luke chapter number 4 Jesus shows up in the temple and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah and he says today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing and he tells a group of Jews I'm the Messiah you've been looking for your freedom is announced the problem is not the announcement the problem is in the response These people hear that freedom is available to them right now, and the response is to reject Jesus. He announces release, and they give him rejection. He announces freedom, and and, and they respond in frustration. But then there's another announcement that Jesus says, listen, if they're going to reject me, then I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to live this sinless life. I'm going to die this substitutionary death. And right before he dies, he is stretched wide. He's hung up high. Before he hangs his head and dies, he makes a declaration of freedom. He says, it is finished. He makes another declaration of freedom. Uh It is the work that He came here to do—to set you free from sin and death. He said, "It's done. It's complete. The work is done. It is finished. Your bondage is over. Your freedom is here. Your slavery is over. Your liberty is here. Your trauma—all of those things that you're dealing—you don't have to stay there. You've been set free. He made an announcement." The tragedy and the announcement that he made in the temple that day was the Jewish response. The tragedy that we might have today is our response. Jesus says it is finished. Why would you leave this place and go back to bondage? Why would you leave this place and not accept the fact that Jesus wants to take me on a journey of freedom? And I understand that that journey looks different for each and every one of us, but it starts with receiving and believing that Jesus Christ is the only one that can get me out. Why would you leave this place? And I'm not just, listen to me, I'm not just talking to the person who does not know Jesus as their Savior, because you can believe and still reject freedom. The text starts and says, to those who believed, he said, if you remain in my teaching. I'm teaching you today that there are certain bondages that you're living in on the other side of your salvation that you can get out of today. What addiction, what habit, what mindset, what thought process, what feeling are you in bondage to that God is saying today, if you would hear my voice, it is finished. It's hold over you is finished. It's, 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 it's hold over you is finished don't you go back to that bondage freedom is available Freedom isn't automatic. You, you got to do something. You got to take a step toward what it is that Jesus has given to you. Freedom is attacked. The enemy is not going to just let you walk into your victory, but freedom was announced. And just like July the 4th, just like January 1st, just like June 19th, every one of us has the victory in Jesus. The announcement of freedom also comes with the accomplishment of freedom because of what Jesus has done. And we need to receive it. In Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Father, we love you and we honor you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your your message that you've sent to this house. God, I pray that, that every word that I've spoken would not fall on deaf ears or hard hearts, but that you would interpret everything that I've said, God, to give people hope and the freedom that you've desired for them to have. God, now move in their hearts and their lives. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Trademark Church podcast. If this message inspired you today, feel free to share with friends, leave a rating and subscribe so you don't miss any of our weekly messages. This podcast and everything that we do at Trademark Church is only possible because of the generosity of those that call Trademark Church home. If you would like to give to the work that God is doing through Trademark, please visit trademark.church. Thanks again for checking out the podcast and we'll see you soon.